Now, at the end of the episode, I'm going to ask our guest today to share some very special information. And if you'd like to see what it is, make sure to visit lessdoing.com slash 296, where you can download an MP3 with that special information and find out how you can actually hear that part of the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Less Doing podcast. And it's a momentous day, actually. So my guest today is Naveen Jain, but this is the first time in almost two years that this has been the Less Doing podcast. It was for years before that, and then it was the Leverage podcast while I was working over there with the whole team there. And now we're back with the Less Doing podcast, my original brand. I'm very excited to start this next phase off with a very, very interesting guest. So first of all, before I even get into the intros, Naveen, thank you for joining me. Well, thanks a lot, Ari. It's a pleasure to be here. So Naveen is uh, an entrepreneur. It's probably the best way to describe him, but he works on problems that most of us would think are parts of science fiction or comic books, honestly, and they're real. And you'll hear how he gives a new meaning to the word launch <laughs> when we get into this a little further. So First of all, your whole history is very, very interesting, but with the time that we have, I want to focus on your most recent two ventures, basically, and then any other color that you want to put in there with me. But the first one is Moon Express. So Moon Express is basically looking at mining precious metals from asteroids, right? Well, so Moon Express, the fundamental thing really is to save the humanity from potential extinction because we all of us are living in a single spacecraft. We call it planet Earth. And if something were to happen to our spacecraft, whether we get hit by a large asteroid and we humans are quite capable of destroying it ourselves, wouldn't it be nice if we could be living on multiple places, the moon and the Mars and the Europa and Phobos, so that we are not on a single place that could be destroyed? Uh, otherwise, we'll all become dinosaurs. And if you could hear any dinosaur rolling in their graves, they'll all be saying if they had one good entrepreneurial dinosaur, they'll still be around. And that's a really our long-term goal. In the, you know, in the short term, obviously, is we want to build the infrastructure and the things that we need to do as an entrepreneur to be able to use the resources on the moon for the benefit of humanity. So could we actually start to create or uh, bring the helium-3 from the moon and use that for clean energy source on planet Earth, because as we know, the helium-3 is the best fusion source uh, that we have, and a small quantity of helium-3 could power this planet for generations to come. And then we obviously have the platinum-grade material and the rare earth elements, and most importantly, we also have water on the moon, and the water really is, as you can imagine, is hydrogen and oxygen. That means it's a fuel for the rockets and the fuel for humanity. And then once you start to do that, then you start to say, okay, if we can live on the moon, then the Mars is quite possible because the problems of living on the Mars are very similar to living on the moon, except that moon just happens to be closer to us. And between you and I, I would rather be a lunatic three days away than to be a Martian six months away. Do we have some way of measuring how much of these minerals and the helium-3 are actually available, or is it really a guess? Also, the point is we know for, you know, we have obviously mapped the moon for the last 50 or so years, and we have done it really well. I mean, we got mineralogical mapping, we got topographical mapping, and we got all the stuff that we need. And many estimates are there are about 16 quadrillion worth of minerals on the moon. And I just don't know what those numbers are, but all I know, that's a shitload of money, right? 
And, you know, it's not even about the things, about changing the way people are going to live their life. So to me, when I look at the moon, our landing on the moon not only will make us the first private company ever to do so, it makes us the fourth superpower. And that to me is really is symbolic of how a small group of people are now capable of doing things that only the nation states or the superpowers could do. And that to me is really what excites me. And I think excites you, Ari, at the same time is that you and I and a small group of people can now dream about doing things that we only believed the kings and the aristocrats and the superpowers could do, such as solving the, you know, going to space. So, you know, solving the problem of healthcare, solving the problem around education, creating the abundance of food, creating the abundance of energy, creating the abundance of water, and really creating the world of abundance rather than living in this world of scarcity. And that's really uh, coming down to my second venture that I launched, that as you know, that Moon Express is the only company in the universe that has permission to leave Earth orbit and land on the moon. So um, now imagine that. As uh, And now we are within six months of launching that mission to the moon. So when you talk about the launch, that is really the, when you, you know, the, it gives a new meaning to the world going to the moon, right? So it's really a, literally the moonshot of going to the moon. And, you know, people always, not, you know, seven years ago when I started the company, people would always thought, oh, that's a freaking crazy idea. That will never happen. Nobody has ever done that. And today when I tell people uh, we are going to launch a mission to the moon and the question that I always get asked is, hey, what are you going to find there? How much are you going to bring back? What is it that you know, you're going to be doing there? It's no longer about will you be landing on the moon? That is just given now. So people start saying, hey, what will you bring back? And obviously we could, you know, bring helium three will bring back the platinum grade material. And there's some people who just, you know, can never, ever understand the power. And they say, if you bring all that platinum down to earth, don't you think the price of platinum will come down? And I remind them, if I have so much platinum that can change the worldwide pricing of platinum, do you really need to be shedding the tears for me at that point, right? Or if you could just even bring the moon rock, we could, moon rocks could fundamentally change the whole diamond industry, in my opinion, because diamonds are neither rare on earth and nor they were ever symbol of love and romance until the DBRs in 1950s made them a symbol of love. Now, they have 100% market share. And if you are an entrepreneur dealing with a uh, company that has 100% market share, what do you do? You actually don't fight them. You simply make them irrelevant. So what we do is when we bring the moon rocks, we simply change the paradigm and says everyone gives someone a diamond. If you love her enough, you give her the moon. Don't promise her the moon, give her the moon, right? And the girl simply gets up and say, Ari, are you trying to buy me? Why are you giving me diamond? I thought you loved me because if you loved me, you would have given me the moon. And then honeymoon really becomes about taking your honey to the moon because if you took your honey to Hawaii, then it'll be honey Hawaii, not honeymoon, right? <laughs> That's, I mean, the marketing pretty much writes itself, I'd have to say. Yeah, it's, it is, it does sound crazy when you think, I mean, obviously now it doesn't seem so crazy, but I'm sure years ago when you came up with this, it did seem crazy. And you have so many entrepreneurs who are always asking like, you know, how do I know if my idea is a good one or not? How do I know if it's a bad one? Like, how did you know that this was something that you could really go after and make into reality? Well, the first thing you, you know, the two things you ask yourself uh, when you start any company, the first question you ask yourself is, God forbid, 
if I'm going to actually succeed in what I'm doing, is it going to change the life of billion people around the world? And the answer is no, then it's not worth doing. And the second thing really is when you tell someone what you're going to do and they don't think it's freaking crazy, then you're not thinking big enough. You need to think so big that people think it's absolutely crazy and it is impossible because the more people, once you start to think something is impossible, it becomes impossible for you and not someone else. So the more people think it's impossible, that means the more people have taken themselves out of solving that problem. That means you have that field all to yourself. And that's really the way. And the, another thing that I find really fascinating is that most entrepreneurs are really scared of starting something because they, you know, they say, well, I know nothing about this industry. And to me, that is really the key. When I start company and if I believe I know something about this industry, then I think that I will be just one of the many people who could do it. I believe if you are an expert in some in a field, you can only improve that thing by 10% or by 15%. If you want to fundamentally change how it is going to be done, that means you want to improve it 100 times or 10 times or 100 times, then you have to fundamentally challenge the foundation of the experts have taken it for granted. That means you have to be a non-expert. So when I started Moon Express, I have no degree in computer science or I have no degree in rocket science. But here is a company that's going to be launching a mission to the moon in six months. Now, coming to my second venture, uh, Ari, I started another company in the healthcare space. And as I was finishing up my mission to the moon, is, you know, I started thinking about what should be my next moon shot. And I started to think about both the healthcare and education. And it turns out that both of them are very, very similar problems in a sense that in both, the, in both cases, people believe the system is not working for them and the system is broken. And it turns out that neither one of the system is actually broken. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do, except that our needs today are very different than when the system was designed. So, for example, in the case of education, our education system is designed to teach us skills. And in the world of exponential technologies, it doesn't matter what skill you learn because it becomes obsolete every five to 10 years. That means by the time you graduate with a skill, that skill is no longer relevant because the world is changing so fast. And that's why you get this chronic unemployment. And if you look at the healthcare, the same thing happened. Our healthcare system was designed when people were dying from infectious diseases and acute things. So we designed the hospital system and our healthcare system that really is designed to be episodic and for infectious and acute care. And today we look at what patients need is most of us are suffering from chronic diseases. In fact, 80 to 90% of all the healthcare dollars are being spent because people are chronically sick. That means a system that was designed for episodic sickness is now have to deal with the chronic sickness and it's not something it was designed to do. And here's the irony. The cure for the infectious diseases is really is largely responsible for these chronic diseases. And even today, even though in the last five years, the reason I started, so let me step back for a second, Yari, here. The reason I ended up starting this healthcare venture is because I read a lot. And as I kept reading the scientific journals, in the last three years, it became extremely clear that almost all of the chronic diseases actually start uh, in your gut. And your gut microbiome is the key to all of these chronic diseases. So whether you can Google 
and you can see Parkinson's disease does not start in your brain, it starts in your gut. The Alzheimer doesn't start in your brain, it starts in your gut. The depression, autism, uh, anxiety, and in fact, even our behavior is controlled by the microbiome. Uh, and you start to look at obesity and diabetes. You start to look at autoimmune disease. And in fact, even cancer, not only the, our microbiome is largely responsible for the cancer, even the cure for the cancer, whether it works or does not work, depends on your microbiome. So there was a very interesting research that was published recently that shows whether the chemotherapy or immunotherapy is going to work or not work can be determined by your microbiome. So to me, it is this pivotal movement that we are living in where the healthcare system is fundamentally designed to kill every single bacteria and virus from the human body. And the nature created the human beings as an ecosystem. Whereas the human DNA, most people who are listening to this may not realize that human DNA only produces about 19,000 genes. And the microbes in our gut produce somewhere between 1 million to 10 million genes. So if you think about it, we are mostly microbial society and with a little bit of DNA sprinkled into us, right? Human DNA sprinkled into us. Um, and when you look at it from the nature's perspective, we are a beautiful portable container for these microorganisms and they work symbiotically to keep us healthy. And when we go out and whether we eat these GMO foods or we are actually taking antibiotics or we are eating food that our microbes are not quite used to, you fundamentally get the imbalance of these microbiome and you start, they start to create uh, metabolites that actually create toxicity in your system and that's why your immune system starts to cause inflammation and when you have a chronic inflammation, it causes the chronic diseases. That means all chronic diseases, whether it's a depression or anxiety or Parkinson's are, or autoimmune diseases or obesity, all of them are fundamentally the inflammatory diseases. That means the inflammation is the root cause of all of the things and our immune system is modulated by the microbiome. So if you can modulate the microbiome simply with diet and nutrients, then you essentially would, your immune system will calm down, inflammation will come down, and not only it prevents the chronic diseases, it starts to reverse these chronic diseases. And rather than taking the pharmaceutical drugs that are simply designed to suppress the symptom rather than cure anything, and the pharmaceutical companies have really become the parasites on humanity. And they fundamentally what they're doing is not only suppressing one symptom, symptom they create 10 other symptoms. And one of the CEO of the pharmaceutical companies once said, the best drug that they develop are the drugs that people have to take for the rest of their life. Not the drugs that cure anything, the drugs that does not do anything, but simply suppress the symptom so people are forced to take it all their life. And every drug they do, do like, you know, you take Nexium to suppress the, uh, you know, as, uh, the proton pump for acid reflux, and it starts to not absorb the irons. It will not absorb the vitamins, and you can no longer kill the parasites. And every one of these things they have a drugs for, and every one of these drugs cause three more symptoms, and they have a whole pipeline of the things so they can become a parasite on humanity. And I think the time has come where you and I need to get empowered with information and not to treat our body as a black box. And that is the reason when uh, I started Wyom. 
And Ari, just to give you some idea about the technology was designed at Los Alamos National Lab, where they spent 10 years developing this technology for national security. Um, And when I saw the technology that can, in fact, look at everything inside your body and tell you every single thing that is going on, both biochemically and microbially, that means unlike any other microbiome uh, thing that you may have heard of, we are the only company that can look at every strain of every bacteria, every virus, every yeast, fungus, and mold, and human RNA. But more importantly, not look at them just simply at a genus level, but not even at a species level, at a strain level. We also know how active they are. But more importantly, we also know what they are doing. We know what pathways are active. We know are they producing short-chain fatty acid. We know are they producing vitamins. And once we look at all these pathways, we apply the artificial intelligence and we give the power back to you to tell you exactly what to do. That means for me, you know, I was trying to lose 10 pounds and I was pre-diabetic. And everyone told me the basic things, cut down your carbs, cut down your starch and only eat, you know, since I'm a vegetarian, lentil, legumes, tofu, all the protein, avocado and spinach, and you will be good. It turns out I did that for a year. It made no difference to me. When I did the Wyom test, it turns out my body needed to be eating more complex carbohydrates and I needed to minimize everything that I was eating. So I need to now minimize the avocado, the spinach, uh, lentils and legumes and eat more complex carbohydrates. And when I followed that diet, I lost five pounds and I am no longer pre-diabetic. My glucose came down significantly. So there is no such thing as universal healthy diet. And that is really the trick. People believe there is something called healthy diet. And what is really true is there is no such thing as healthy diet. What's healthy for Ari is not healthy for Naveen. And here's the worst part. What's healthy for Naveen today may not be healthy for him in three months. That means our body is constantly adapting and changing. And if we don't adapt our diet, then we go back into the same imbalance. And when we don't take care of our gas in our gut, what happens is our body becomes at unease. And that unease is what we call dis-ease, that your body is at not at ease. And all we have to do is put the body at ease and you get rid of disease. This is, again, of course, particularly fascinating to me as somebody who was a sufferer of Crohn's disease, which is completely in the gut, obviously. And the the diet that I, I experiment with, a bunch of different diets. And yeah, it is really interesting how everything affects everybody differently. And there's no one size fits all. So just for, to give people sort of a practical sense here. So how does the, the Viome test work? And then what sort of, I mean, I, you, you give a very specific example for yourself, but like, what does the report look like? Like what kind of information do you get back? So basically, first of all, I, as you can imagine, we are looking at the RNA sequencing of every single organism in your body. And even just to do the DNA sequencing, forget the RNA sequencing, will cost thousands of dollars. So we, uh, But the technology that we got from the national labs allows us to do this for a couple of hundred dollars now. So we are able to do a complete RNA sequencing for $399. And once you do that, it's basically once per year, and you can do as many tests as you want during the year for $199. So imagine how cheap it has become. And as the volume goes up, these things will uh, become cheaper and then will add more and more services uh, so that you essentially be able to look at more things inside your body. And when you sign up for this service, 
we ship a kit to you and then you don't have to go anywhere. You give us a swab of stool in a test tube. You shake it up and put in the prepaid envelope and send it to us. And then you do a metabolic flexibility test simply with the fingerprint and the glucometer that we send you. And based on that, we are able to determine how does your body digest the carbs and the fat and the protein. And then we look at all of the pathways that are currently active in your gut. That means we understand what type of supplements and nutrients your body is producing and what type of pathways are currently active. And based on that, we can give you a very specific recommendation. So once you send everything to us, within three weeks, uh, you download an app on your iPhone or your Android phone, and you start to see all the every single organism that is in your gut, whether it is a virus or parasites or bacteria or yeast or fungus or mold, you also see the very specific recommendation. That means eat this, eat carrot, but don't eat cauliflower. Eat this, but don't eat this, right? And we specifically tell you what you can indulge in, what are your top five foods, and what are the foods you need to avoid. And as you change your diet, ideally you should be testing every six weeks or eight weeks because your body would have adapted by then to see if you need to continue or you need to adapt your diet. It's like tuning your car. You have to constantly keeping it in tune or else once it goes out of balance, you start to get inflammation again. I think I know the answer, but for people who don't, like how does this differ from a typical allergy test, like a food allergies or food sensitivity test? So let me give you uh, three things that people always ask. So let me just answer them. How does it differ from 23andMe type of genetic test? So what happens is when you do a genetic test like 23andMe, you are basically getting the alphabet of everything that could happen inside your body. It doesn't mean anything is going to happen because as you can imagine, our human, that we all of us, everything in our body has the same DNA. That means your hair, your tooth, and your lung have exactly the same DNA, but they really are expressed differently. That's why you see the hair as hair, and you don't want the tooth growing up on your head, right? Really what matters is what is being expressed, and what is being expressed is really controlled epigenetically, and our microbiome to large extent control many of these genetic expressions. That means now you may have a certain genes that you may be more likely to get something, but if you eat the right food and you have the right microbes, those genes may, be, may never be expressed and you may never see anything. And that's why it differs from genetic side. Genetics tells you what is possible, and what, I, what we do is called transcriptomics that tells you what is actually happening right now in your body. The second thing you ask me, you know, and the second thing is people ask me, how is it different from other microbiome tests? I just did the U-biome test. How is that different? First of all, the companies like U-biome are selling you a complete snake oil because what they do is they use the a technology called 16S sequencing. And what 16S sequencing does is it can never find any virus, any yeast, any fungus, any mold. And even it can, it can only find some percentage of bacteria depending on what kind of uh, primer they're using. And even the bacteria, you can only look at a genus level. At a genus level, we all have exactly the same genuses of bacteria. At a genus level, Ari, you know, it's like telling someone like, oh, we are all mammals. We could be men, we could be dogs, or we could be rats, but we are all mammals. And, and we all know they are not the same, except some women will tell you that men are all dogs or rats anyway, so why bother? But we all know better, right? So my point is, looking at a genus level is a complete waste of your money. What we do is look at every strain, but more than strain, 
we look at the activity of how active they are and what is it they are actually doing. Because what we found most fascinating, Ari, was that same organism in my gut may be doing completely different thing than it will be doing in your gut. That means depending on what else is there, our body, our, the same organism behaves differently. And you and I can both agree that depending on whose company we are, even human beings you know, behave differently. Right? Of course. Right? Uh, and the question that you were asking me was that uh, I forgot, as a matter of fact, the question. Uh, no, I said like for a typical food sensitivity test, which which are almost always oh, like yes, tell, yes. they tell everyone they're allergic to apples. Like they're really inaccurate. Problem with the food allergy tests are basically, for example, if you have a leaky gut, every food that you may have ever eaten essentially through a leaky gut will uh, get absorbed in the blood and the blood and uh, your, your immune system at that point will create the antibodies and they are called IgG. So when you do a food sensitivity test, you're basically seeing historically every single food that has antibodies in your system. And if you have ever had a leaky gut like a Crohn's disease or something, then you will be allergic to, I mean, it will show that you have an antibody for every food that you have ever eaten. And doesn't mean you're sensitive to it. You simply means you have antibodies to it because it was some time it was in your blood and your your immune system did not know what to do with it. Gotcha. Okay. So, and you said and and with Viome you're doing this on a quarterly so basis. We actually right? do it right. No, no. We used to do a quarterly basis. Then we did it, uh, you know, twice a year. And what we heard the feedback. We have thousands of people who have gone through the test. What people told us is that look, what we want to do is. As we change our diet, and if we really have been good, I want to be able to test it every two every two weeks, every four weeks, to see how my body had changed. So if I go out and really be strict on my diet, I don't want to wait for six months to see how my body changed. I want to do it uh, in a month. So what we do is now allow you to be testing as often as you want, based on how much changes you, how much change you have made to your diet that you feel good that you want to test what's going on inside your body. And so you could be testing it. Ideally, I would suggest it will be uh, every six weeks, uh, but you could do every three months, you could do every six months. And that really depends on how quickly you want to adapt to as your body is changing. That means if you are you know, not feeling well, then you obviously want to be adapting the diet and testing it more often so you essentially feel better sooner. And if you really don't want to feel better sooner, then you test Every six months. And again, the test is just a stool sample and then the, the finger prick with the metabolic test. That is absolutely correct. And over time, as, a, as we will be adding things like urine metabolites, stool metabolites, and the blood transcriptome to be able to look at your mitochondrial gene expression, the blood gene expression, and even the microbiome of the blood. And we'll be adding those tests as we go along. So you were saying the thing about you needing more complex carbs. Have there been, since you've been doing this and, you know, you do it regularly, have there been any big recommendations that have changed? And it's very interesting is that what happened was that, you know, since I was eating a very strict specific diet and that was simply lentil, legumes, tofu, avocado, spinach, I was in fact only feeding the certain set of microbes and other set of microbes were not getting fed. So, uh, you know, on obviously you can imagine as the test we did, I saw very poor diversity and there was a tremendous amount of inflammation in my gut. And we saw that through the what I call the human RNA in my stool. And when you see the human RNA, that means there is a gut lining sh being shedded. And so as I started to cut down the food that I was eating a lot of and start to eat the other types of food, you get a much better balance 
and my next results really start to show that my inflammation in my gut is coming down, especially my human RNA uh, were coming down. And obviously, uh, symptomatically, my blood glucose level came down uh, and also uh, had it, you know, I lost five pounds. I mean, you can't argue with that. It's funny for me seeing the, the space work and then also the in, uh, into the body. It's almost like different kinds of fantastic voyages, right? So do you have an idea what your next move might be? The bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. If you want to create a large company, solve a large problem. And that to me is really what most entrepreneurs don't understand that, you know, if you want to create a great company, the doing good and doing well are not mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, if you want to do well, you have to do large good. And if you want to do large good, you have to do well. Because if you want to do small good, you do philanthropic work. And because sooner or later, you're going to run out of money. But if you want to really help billion people, you have to create a profitable enterprise because profit is what allows you to scale and take it to the billion people. And as an entrepreneur, you have to always believe that you cannot focus on making money because making money is like having an orgasm. You never would get it if you focus on it. It has to be something, a byproduct of the things you really enjoy doing. And to answer your question, I'm absolutely convinced in the next three to five years, we will be able to create a world together where the illness could truly be an option. That means people don't have to be sick unless they make a decision to be sick. And if I can solve this problem in the next five years, I'm going to go out and solve the education problem. And in the meantime, if some other entrepreneurs happens to solve the education problem, then I'm going to go out and create the abundance of uh, food and the abundance of uh, energy and the abundance of water. And there are plenty of problems. It's not that planet has lack of problems. Well, this has been absolutely amazing, uh, Naveen. So, so thank you for sharing all of your insights. And so where's the best pe place for people to go to find out more about you and Moon Express? And So uh, for Wyom, you go to wyom.com, which is V as in Victor, I-O-M as in Mary, E as in Edward.com. For Moon Express, you go to moonexpress.com and you can find me on a social media on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And please feel free to drop me a line. My email is naveen.jain at gmail.com. So drop me an email. and I'll be more than happy to talk to you and look forward to hearing from you. But as an entrepreneur, dream so big that people think you're crazy and never be afraid to fail. You only fail in life when you give up. Everything else is just a pivot. My only other advice, Ari, would be to our fellow entrepreneurs is that always remember your life of an entrepreneur is like a heartbeat. It's always up and down. When it's smooth, that means you're already dead. You just don't know it. So never, ever look for a business that is having a smooth sailing. That means you're almost dead. You want every time you're down, just remember like a heartbeat. The next beat is up. And when you're on the top of the world, don't get too cocky because the next beat is right down.